This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. I seen your girl post a BM, so I hit her in the DM. All eyes, yeah, I see him. Yeah, that's your man, I hate to be him. It goes down in the DM. It go down in the DM. It go down, it go down. It goes down in the DM. It go down. It go down in the DM. It go down. Snapchat me that. That was hot, right? We are back wow. for another action-packed <laughs> episode of Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. And this episode is a MacGyver episode where we make things work with selfie sticks and skinny headphones. Okay. Welcome to the show, guys. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. Good morning. Good morning. We are here on WHCR, 90.3 FM, The Voice of Harlem. Happy Sunday. Happy Mother's Day to all of the Beautiful moms and moms to be out there. It's not easy carrying a child for nine months and then raising them. So we want to credit. Well, I want to give credit to my mom. Shout out to her. I will be seeing a play on Broadway with her later. And then we're going to BB King. So we're going to have a good time. You never take me to Broadway. You're right. I never do. You're not my mom. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> I guess. I, I guess. Anyway, guys, so yeah, my name is Selena Hill. And on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Miss Selena Hill. Miss is spelled M S. So definitely follow and hit me up there, guys. Alyssa, are you struggling over there? Yeah, my name's Alyssa Fuchs. Unfortunately, if you were watching the live stream, it seems like we're not going to be able to do that. At least we're not right now. It's saying that we don't have good enough internet to be able to broadcast it. Um, so we will work on that. Uh, but in the meantime, my name is Alyssa Fuchs. And I am your political and legal correspondent, and you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs or on, uh, I forget, um, or on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs, or you can hit up the fan page, which is facebook.com slash politically preposterous or poll preposterous on Twitter. And again, I will try and get that live stream working for you if we can get the internet up. I don't believe in the internet, so that's not a problem that I'm having right now. This is Stanley Fritz, your favorite internet on the PC ones and twos. You can find me on Black sex love Ew. television <laughs> no you won't find me there but that is a real you know where you can find you where? we can find you on the the trump supporter troll line because stanley oh is God. the king of trolling trump supporters i don't know okay? why people are attacking me this way Selena. <laughs> i don't know why you're attacking me i don't hold on i'm attacking no you attack trump supporters you did start all that the time. i mean well, you talking about Pierre? yeah you I started like, you totally started yeah, that you did, you did. he I did it twice I mean, listen if you're gonna start it like then just like back it up right uh, yeah. which i don't disagree with which i think let's, you did let's but you listeners did start in. that let's follow listeners. okay so um, Pierre Benjamin here. is a, a good friend of Let Your Voice Be Heard. We actually, Stanley and I went to school with him. I'm surprised he is, Stanley didn't cut in and say something else there. Well, he's, I he, don't hate he, him. He's converted, he's Uncle Tom. He converted to conservatism. He is a Republican now and a Trump supporter. Timing. And Stanley keeps calling him out on the internet. And instead of responding to some of the, um, the basically some of the things that you're just pointing out about. He posts a link to his, his um documentary yeah so stanley's facebook page is off the hook now and warning to anybody that supports trump stanley is coming for you okay but do how not befriend him on facebook but like how long have i been like the uncle tom slayer you've the, been the is that your official title now uncle tom slayer? someone called me that in a text message yesterday they said that you're an uncle tom slayer hey. i like it well you know what own it why not so anyway guys we have a great show lined up we're gonna start the show talking about the latest debacle 
under the Trump administration. Belatest debacle? Debacle. Debacle? You said belatest debacle. Did I really? Are you Snapchatting on the show? I was insta-snapping. That is why. I, first of all, I don't even think I said that. And if I did, it's because I was insta-snapping. But anyway. Wait, I didn't even get a chance to introduce my social media stuff. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Stanley. Yeah, Selena was so yeah. mad because she don't got my social media juice. So she was following oh, First of all, yeah. my Instagram is lit. You need it. All right. So I don't, I don't post my Instagram like. that much. Exactly. Anyway, she's like, check my likes. <laughs> so... You, Selena. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. That's, you that's guys, she is oh. really bad at this radio <laughs> thing. So anyways, you can find me on Twitter at Stan Fritz, on Instagram at Stan Fritz, on Snapchat at Dark Skin Swindle, and on Facebook at Stanley Fritz. But hurry up and add me because I have over three thousand friends, Selena. Do you? I think I, I think we have the same amount, Stanley. That's I have three thousand five hundred and fifty one. I probably have the same mm. amount. And well, you know what? Well, I just want to say that. Pierre actually called out "Let Your Voice Be Heard." He he took some digs at the show. I mean, he was right though. because he said we only have fourteen hundred Instagram likes. I mean, I Instagram like, followers. He's right. <laughs> Good one, Pierre. Can you help us with our social media? All right, so uh, moving on, we have a great show lined up. We're going to start the show speaking about the latest debacle in the Trump administration. We know we say this every week. It can't get any worse. This is shocking. But, I mean, it feels like a reality show that we are trapped in. We feel like Donald Trump is trolling us. This week, well, last week, he fired FBI Director James Comey. And basically, all hell has been broken loose. And now, Alyssa has informed me, you know who's up for the running of being the possible FBI Director? Rudy Giuliani? No, Merrick Garland. Yeah. So we have a lot to talk I about. I feel like we're being trolled. No, we are definitely we're totally being trolled. We're definitely being trolled. Like, like this Trump administration is SNL skit like every single day. Like it's just too unreal to be real, basically. And then later on in the show, we're going to be talking to a very special guest about Puerto Rico. A lot is going on there. Uh, the territory has filed for bankruptcy. They are close to closing a hundred, around 180 different schools, and people are migrating off the island. And actually, I love Puerto Rico. It's one of my favorite islands, and it's really sad that uh, what's going on there, and especially because we know that the U.S., the states, we have a role that we could and should be playing to help this territory. So we're going to speak about that later on. And then last but not least, Alyssa is here. She will be dropping a quickie on a new GOP bill to limit abortion rights to anyone who happens to be... No, adoption. Adoption rights. I'm sorry about that. Adoption rights. Well, you know what? It could go either way. It's the GOP. It's you Texas. Know, yeah, you're right. But um, it's adoption this week. Apparently, if you this are... This week. Right. If you are gay, if you are Jewish, or you're Muslim, they do not want you to be able to adopt children. Right, I know it's crazy. Or an atheist, or anybody that is not a Christian, basically. Um, but we'll get into that a little more later on in the show. Definitely. So we have a lot to talk about, and of course, we want you to let your voice be heard. You can call us up at two one two six five zero six nine zero three. And you can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. You can also leave comments on Alyssa's Facebook fan page, Politically Preposterous, and on 
Um, where where can they leave comments for you, Stanley? You have um, your yeah. Well, well, I, what do I have? <laughs> Stanley, you you're not live streaming on your Facebook. Page? I actually am live streaming, so okay. you can leave a comment on our Facebook Live there. Duh. If, if, it, if it holds up. Yeah, that's a good if. Up, oh, we have can, one person. Hello, one person. I think we should ask Pierre to call in, but um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're so petty. I know, but anyway, guys. So we're gonna go on a quick break. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're talking about the FBI director, well, former director, known as James Comey. Don't go anywhere. Anyway, we guys. are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. And if you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. It's Selena Hill. It is Alyssa Mother Loving Fuchs. And we are getting ready to talk about Donald Trump firing James Comey. What that means for Trump, what that means for the Russia investigation, and what that means for our sanity. Probably not good things. <laughs> and when we're done with that, we'll be doing the news roundup where we talk about your favorite news stories, things that happen throughout the week. And hopefully, Selena will not mention the World War happened on my Facebook page again. And then we'll move on and we'll talk about Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico is lit when they're not filing for bankruptcy, which they are. That was a pretty good accent. Um, Stanley, thank you for the rundown, guys. So as Stanley said, we're starting off the show talking about the firing of FBI Director James Comey. So basically, on Tuesday, Donald Trump sent shockwaves through Washington, through the nation, and through every person that is uh, coherent enough to, 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 to have been following uh, the political debacle that has been going on known as the Trump administration. So in response to President Trump firing immediately uh, Dr. Uh, I mean FBI Director James Comey, a lot of Democrats and a lot of skeptics were automatically accusing the White House of doing this in order to sort of cover up or stop the investigation into Trump's alleged ties to Russia. Um, and we know that, you know, we've spoke about that a number of times here on the show. And there are there is evidence that he colluded with Russia to prevent Hillary Clinton from being elected. And not to mention, during that interview with Lester Holter, he actually said Democrats should have won this election. So he admitted it, too. But um, I'll get to that. OK, so on top of Trump just firing FBI director James Comey. It seems like he didn't even tell his administration because they scrambled and struggled to explain how and why they reached this decision. And before we get to all of the lies and and mis and, and um a misinformation that was distributed from the administration, let's rewind a little bit because uh, it was during the first week of May when James Comey reportedly asked the DOJ for more resources to continue investigating into Russia's meddling into the U.S. election, and then the next. Next week, Donald Trump, he called a meeting with Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. And soon after, James Comey was fired. So initially, Trump himself released a statement claiming that Comey was fired as a recommendation of Rosenstein over Comey's handling of the investigation into Clinton's alleged quote unquote email scandal. Later that same day, Sean Spicer, the White House press secretary, he decided to hide in some bushes to avoid reporters, but he also remember he was hiding in the bushes. Yeah, that was I, I, I don't. I wanted to call him the White House B, but I can't say that word on <laughs> the radio. House Bush. But that's oh. what he is. He's the White oh. House B. <laughs> yes, that's that's what he is. So he was hiding in some bushes, but he also said that Donald Trump came to this decision based on a memo that was sent from Rosenstein, right? 
So that was that was what was said initially. The next morning, Donald Trump went on a tweet rampage. He went off on Twitter and he was blasting Democrats for not supporting his decision to fire Comey. And he was saying things like, oh, Comey lost um, confidence of almost everyone in Washington, Republicans and Democrats alike, and uh, they should be thanking me. Meanwhile, like Chuck Schumer was like, what? This is horrible. This is a bad decision. And it's fishy, <coughs> to say the least. So then... Uh, you know, things keep on rolling. Donald Trump, eventually, he has a, a photo op with a former Secretary of State, Henry Kissinger, Kissinger, and he says, literally, Comey was fired because he wasn't doing a good job. He was like, simply put, he just wasn't doing a good job. So we're like, what? So then um, Donald Trump, he actually meets with a Russian foreign minister, right? And they have like a photo. Well, they actually blocked U.S. press from being there and from like taking pictures and doing anything like that. But apparently Russian uh, journalists were there and they took video of this same foreign minister making a joke about Comey being fired. And it was just basically like like mockery. Right. Moving on. Right. So there's a lot to talk about. So there's then, a lot happening here. There is a lot. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. So then the deputy uh, press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, um, she starts filling in for Sean Spicer because he wants to hide in bushes. And she says that Comey committed, and I quote, basic atrocities. (laughs) Where do we find these people? I mean, like, where does Donald Trump find these people? These people are totally insane. They should have no business running a McDonald's restaurant, let alone the country. No, you are absolutely right. So then... uh, um, so then uh, Donald Trump, he does an interview with Lester Holter, Holt, uh, Holt, Holt from NBC. And he basically comes out and says, you know what? It was my decision to fire James Comey. I was going to I was thinking about doing this from day one. It had nothing to do with these recommendations. And he also says, and, uh, and, and I quote, he was thinking of, and I quote, this Russia thing when he made the decision. So literally, guys, he admitted that he fired Comey over the Russia investigation. Guys, what are you thinking? Like, what like, is the nation okay, thinking about could this? Could you imagine if, if Richard Nixon would have come out and said, hi, guys, I fired <laughs> Archibald Cox over the Watergate thing. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> like... Just, or, actually, I have a better one. Could you imagine if Hillary Clinton did something like this, what Republicans would be saying? They would have, like, drafted up articles of impeachment, like, her second day in office. So there's so many levels of hypocrisy here. But putting aside the levels of hypocrisy, the fact of the matter is, is if he fired James Comey for... Uh, conducting an investigation into his own collusion with Russia that it possibly influenced our election, and then that is potentially obstruction of justice, which is a crime, and which is also an impeachable offense. And so I just don't understand how we, like, even SNL parried it it last night, because I don't even understand how Donald Trump can remain president, and part of that is just his ego is so big that he's not going to resign, which is Part of the issue that was the case with Richard Nixon, which was that he had a huge ego and didn't want to resign. But at some point, somebody's got to tap Donald on the shoulder and be like, Donald, it's time. And that person, it's probably going to be Ivanka. Because I feel like that's <laughs> Ivanka is the only person who can tap him on the shoulder and be like, Daddy, right. it's time to go. Well, well, you said a lot there, Stanley. Well, 
I'm not surprised that Donald Trump is being a piece of bad person. Sorry, Professor Harden. I'm not surprised Donald Trump is being a bad person. What's really surprising, I guess not that surprising at this point, is how Republicans have pretty much let him get away with murder. The reason that Nixon was forced to resign was because there was both Democrats and Republicans putting pressure on him. As we speak, Republicans are like, yeah, he fired the guy that was investigating him, and he threw his vice president and press secretary under the bus because they both said he fired that guy because of a recommendation, and then Trump says, no, that's not true. And yeah, this might be obstruction of justice, but what really is obstruction of justice? They wanted to impeach Obama for Obamacare. <laughs> this is true. And the, the standard is so different, isn't it? This is, and it's not like we talk about. There's a, there's, there are certain lines here. So what frustrates me is when people try to take what's happening and say, well, you know, we just see things differently politically. This is not about ideology. This is not about like you think we should tax the rich and I think we should tax the rich and you think we should tax the poor. This is about just flat out, this is wrong, and you're protecting it because you care more about your party than the country. Right, guys, and again, if you want to chime in, we are talking about the firing of FBI Director James Comey. We want to know what you think about that. Call us up at 212-650-6903. And to add on top of that, Donald Trump also admitted that he improperly checked with Comey on the status of an FBI investigation. So the FBI... um, you you know historically is nonpartisan, right? And usually presidents and they try to stay away from the FBI, especially if the FBI happens to be investigating them or their cabinet or their administration. But Donald Trump said that he went out to dinner with Comey and was like, you know, um, can you just let me know if I'm under investigation? And then Donald Trump comes out and says he told me I was not. So I'm literally while while Donald Trump is admitting this. Does he not know that he is incriminating himself? You're not supposed to ask an FBI director if you're being investigated. Like As I've been saying since he was elected, Donald Trump is stupid. And you guys always laugh when I said it. But in the letter, when she was firing Comey, it said, even though you told me three different times that I was not being investigated, and I appreciate Which that. Which isn't even true. Yes, <laughs> I still have to fire you. He is stupid. There's no, there's no getting around this. When you give, so let's let's talk about the ways. Let's talk about just technically as a communications person. I want to tell you why all of this went wrong. As a communications person, if you tell me an hour before something's gonna happen, and you need messaging and like press stuff for that, I am going to be cursing you out for the rest of the week. That's one. Two. If it's a big announcement, something that's really gonna impact our organization or how people see us. I am definitely going to hate you or I'm going to tell you it's not going to happen. It is impossible. You need way more lead time than an hour. He just fired the FBI director, people, a person that has a, that has a 10-year term that was investigating them and then didn't give his people any chance to give an explanation. So then they came up with a bunch of lies and then they threw, he, then he, he contradicted the lies. And by contradicting the lies, he makes himself look plainly guilty of a crime. And then the people who have the power to hold him accountable have pretty much said, hey, whatever. Right. I mean, listen, I think a lot of this and I'm not the only one who thinks this is has to do with the fact that he's uncomfortable with winning the election the way he did. I mean, okay, he won. He won the Electoral College, but he lost the popular vote. Everybody's been saying that his presidency is delegitimized by the fact that Russia influenced the election. We still don't know what kind of collusion he had with Russia. So we have no idea whether or not he was in on this or knew about it. Of course, we can assume that he did, um, but we don't really know that for sure. And evidence as to that 
it may exist but has not come out yet. I assume it will in the future yeah. if it does exist, especially now because of the way that Comey was fired. I mean, Comey found out that he was being fired because he saw it as breaking news on TV while he was giving a speech to other FBI agents. And Comey's got a lot of friends in the FBI, a lot of rank and file members that are there only to do the right thing to quote unquote do justice and to expose what needs to be exposed. During these dinners, Trump asked Comey for loyalty, and Comey said, I can't give you loyalty, I can only give you honesty. And so what's going to happen now is, if the president keeps coming out and saying, oh, I'm not being investigated, oh, this is all a hoax, and this is all because he's upset about the way in which he won the election, and so he's very insecure about it and needs to ruffle all these feathers, what's going to eventually happen is the rank-and-file members of the FBI, they're eventually going to start leaking information to the press. That's what happened during the 70s, when, after the Watergate scandal, felt leaked information to Bob Woodward. And that is how all the information really ended up breaking. On top of which, there may be secret tapes, just like there was in 1973. And so if secret tapes come out with Trump talking to the Russians, or with Trump talking to his own associates about firing Comey um, because of information about the Russian investigation, then I just don't see how he cannot resign. Like, it, it's, it's well, so perplexing to me. Right. Well, so so I just want to say this. If you ask me, the reason why Donald Trump is going to extensive measures to prevent this uh, Russian investigation and telling his supporters that it's a hoax is because it's true. He know he colluded with Russia. And there's even evidence saying that uh, Britain, uh, the Britons were telling the British were telling uh, U.S. forces that there was some, I'll say, fishy uh, collusion or like fishy communication. Uh, communication going on between Russia and uh, Donald Trump's campaign in 2015 and 2015. That's how far it goes by. Uh, goes back. So there's a, there's definitely something there that he's trying to cover up. But you know what? Uh, uh, Alyssa, sorry, Alyssa keeps on pointing to Watergate, right? You brought that up a couple of different times, and there uh, there is a big parallel here. But I'm e I'm even hearing some progressives say that this goes even further than Watergate. So I wanted to get you guys' opinion on how do you think this stacks up, and then we'll we'll probably talk about if he can really be impeached. So as you know, Watergate was a situation that got um, President Nixon impeached because he had... Well, some he resigned before pardon, he could be impeached. he resigned before he was impeached. He had um, some of his Republican buddies breaking into the DNC office, national office, to steal information to see what they were going to use to run against him. And those people got arrested and caught, and he tried to lie about it, and it finally he got busted. They were going to impeach him. He resigned. In this case right here, I think it's much bigger because it's not... It's one thing to have you and your idiot friends break into the, the Democratic National Convention's office to see, like, what their strategies are. It's another thing to possibly allegedly collude with a superpower that has nuclear weapons that has been aggressive towards other countries and would probably happily engage in war with us so that you can win an election. And then now have that superpower p potentially have access to very sensitive information about our country and put actual lives at risk. It's totally different. This is way bigger. And and just with saying that about Trump and Russia, Republicans, it's even worse that Republicans possibly know about this and they're protecting mm, it. Good point.
Right. Uh, you know, and I'll just add to that. Uh, some people have said, like, you can't draw the parallel because the situations are different. I don't see any difference between physically breaking into the Watergate Hotel to steal information about your adversary or breaking into somebody's computer digitally and hacking them in order to steal information about your adversary. Those things are pretty similar. I mean, one of them, this is really just the modern day version of a break in, which is you no longer do it by physically breaking in somewhere. You do it by breaking into somebody's emails. And also, you know, I just want to take a half a second because we've spent a lot of time calling out the right and Republicans for the fact that they're not doing anything about this situation, for the fact that they're letting Donald Trump to get away with this. There are a number of people on the far left that also seem to think that what was in the emails is a bigger deal that the, than the fact that Donald Trump may have colluded with a foreign government. And you know what? I do think that there were some concerning things in the emails, and I don't necessarily think that Hillary or the DNC should get a pass on some of the quote-unquote throwing Bernie under the bus that may have happened. But at the same time, to think that there is more of an issue about what's actually in those emails and to make more of an issue about what's in those emails than to take a step back and, and think for a second that a foreign government that is trying to influence world politics and trying to become even more of a world superpower and in fact trying to overtake the United States as the number one superpower in the world because ultimately that is Russian's, Russia's goal, that is Vladimir Putin's goal. And to say that that is less of an issue, that the person who got elected president may have colluded with that foreign leader who has nefarious goals towards the United States um, is, is, is less of an issue than what was actually in those emails. I think that's a problem as well. And I think you need to be called out as well. So I'm calling out the right, but I'm also calling out the left and the people who think that this is okay because right. of what was actually in the email. All right, guys. So we do need to take a quick break. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll continue talking about the latest Trump scandal right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Look at my dial. Look at my dial. Everybody saying dial. Trap goes on the mouth. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. And we are talking about the firing of FBI Director James Comey. James Comey. Oh, my God. You know, we need some dramatic effect because it's like Donald Trump's administration is just playing out like a very dramatic, horrible reality series that is real. I think we call that oh a, my God. an ish show. <laughs> we can't really say the full word. A fish show a fish show it's a fish show there a fish go. show all I'll right you guys. guys on break on facebook live so um guys if you want to let your voice be heard call us up at 212-650-6903 i also want to throw in there that republican senate mike lee suggests that merrick garland should be leading the fbi we talked about that a little earlier i hate republicans <laughs> so <laughs> okay i don't hate all republicans we have, these. we're getting some comments yeah we are having a comment so real quick guys shout out to everyone listening on facebook live samantha nephew darren mack meredith barnes cody ann palmer um thank you so much for listening in i want to read meredith's comment she goes what's frustrating to me aside even from the incredible danger of what might have happened with russia and the election is that no one on the trump side will even admit that it all looks bad mm. being told over and over there's nothing to see when it when there is a lot to see and it's infuriating and what she's talking about is trump supporters who people keep talking about everything that's happening and all you'll, you'll hear a lot of trump supporters say is oh 
The liberals are just trying to set them up. Well, well, let me say this, because I was listening to NPR this morning, and they do this segment where they talk to Trump supporters, people from from his base, um, and they basically ask them really simple questions like, how do you feel about this? And does this at all jeopardize your support? Do you think it's a bad thing? Each and every time, these Trump supporters, they come on and they say, no, I really think Russia is a hoax. And you know what? I'm not focused on the little things, the fact that his administration isn't accurate and the fact that he's not a perfect president. We care about the bigger issues. We care about the fact that there are no jobs. Um, We need better health care. Like, literally. And at one point, I'm just like, is NPR trolling their base? Because they sound idiotic. They sound very ignorant and it's almost embarrassing. But you know what? They're being authentic and they say they don't care about this little stuff they care about things that affect their every day little stuff though i mean this does affect their every day if the president is being influenced by a foreign leader and is making decisions based on the influence that this foreign leader is exerting on him then that does influence your every day it means like we don't even know what's in donald trump's tax returns and they keep (laughs) saying that that's not a big deal and then he had his lawyers release some bogus letter this week claiming that he doesn't have any ties with russia Meanwhile, his wait, wait, wait. both re- of his sons have come out and say that their business does have ties to Russia. And so how do we know that he's not passing wait. legislation or trying to get Republicans in Congress to pass legislation that may benefit his own bottom line and that may not benefit you as somebody who voted for him? Wait, Alyssa, actually what his lawyer said was Donald Trump does not have any debt or money from Russia, with a few exceptions. And if you believe that, then I'm Madonna, and I have size E boobs, and Stanley is a white guy named Chet. Yo, By the, the way, guys, um, shout out to Edwin Raymond, who just um, logged in. He's listening to the show right now. We appreciate it, Edwin. No, SNL did a great skit around that. They were like, to say a few exceptions is like saying, you know, all of the children came home from the school trip. With a few exceptions. You can't have exceptions. Like, that is detrimental. And that basically overshadows everything, like, the whole entire argument. So, yeah, there's a lot there. I um, I personally do not understand um, Republicans and his base. But I do understand this. Donald Trump said he likes when people are uneducated. And it's working out for him. He said that he likes the poorly educated. educated poor, I'm sorry, poorly um, educated. I mean, and here's the thing about his base, which is, you know, they keep using this phrase post-truth society, which I, I what hate. Um, but like, what? The, yeah, I, I, what? I swear to God, post, you know, like, you know, the, a part of this is just a complete inability for us to agree on what the facts are and what the truth is. The FBI really is investigating, if not Donald Trump directly, his campaign members and his associates for possible collusion during Russia. We know that Paul Manafort, which was one of the people that was working on Trump's campaign, who Mm -hmm. Trump ended up firing and then bringing on Kellyanne Conway because he had colluded with Russia and had been in cahoots with the pro-Russia Ukrainian guy. We know that there was a FISA warrant issued to surveil Carter Page, which is another Trump associate, because of his connections with Russia. We know that a lot of other people within the Trump administration also had connections with Russia. So, like, what does he think we are? Does he think we're stupid? Well, you know what? Guess what? We might not be, but this speaks to the quote-unquote post-truth, which is when you talk to his supporters, they like him so much and they are so deluded that when you talk about Russia, they go, oh, no, 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 it's a hoax. It's made up by Hillary Clinton things. They honestly believe that this is something we are making up. And it doesn't 
a matter how much evidence you put in front of them to prove that it's true, they still won't believe it. And this goes back to that line that Donald Trump said during the campaign, which is he could stand on Fifth Avenue mm-hmm. and shoot somebody and his supporters would not care. And that's exactly what this is about, which it doesn't matter how much truthful information you put out there. These people still believe that it's a lie. And so the real question we have to ask ourselves is how are we going to convince these people that this is actually the truth? Because until we do, we're never getting anywhere with them. You know what, Alyssa? I just want to add on to that. I personally do not think that Donald Trump is going to be impeached or indicted because Republicans are uh, too busy trying to protect him. Not only that, but I read an article from someone from the left that was saying the way that this uh, administration is playing out, Trump is definitely going to be reelected in 2020. And he was saying it's because, like you said, his base is strong. They are they don't care about facts. And not only that, Democrats are doing a really they're not doing a good job in basically uh, winning over more people to their party, uh, reaching, uh, expanding their base, and also presenting a candidate that could actually win over more people, uh, win over uh, more people, uh, more moderates, and more people to the far left. Well, I want to push back on that because I think we're jumping the gun way too much with the presidential election when we have a congressional election in 2018, and we really should be looking for a way to get control of the House and the Senate. Is that feasible? Again. It is it definitely is. feasible. Especially now. Yeah, Donald Trump has a 32% approval rating right now, and races that were never in play before because it was solidly Republican are in play. There was a race in Montana where the Democrat almost beat the Republican. The race in Georgia with Ossip, he might win a historically Republican district. You had the other race, um, my mind is going blank at the moment, but there was another race where the candidate lost by a a couple of points and the reason they lost because, you know, the, the, the difference was the amount of investment that was going into these campaigns. Democratic Party needs to be investing in people. When Congress passed, when, when the House passed Trump Care, do you know how much money got pulled, like poured into campaigns for people running against Republicans who are in danger? Now, before I switch it to Alyssa, I want to mention the Pew Research just released a report that said that black voter turnout dropped from 66% in 2012 to 55% in 2016. That's a 10% drop. What that tells me, because the like the 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 Hillary Clinton lost pretty much by a collection of seventy thousand votes. That's what cost her the election. If ten percent more people of color come out, mm. she wins. Okay. And I think that what that tells us, I'm sorry to cut you off, Alyssa, is that we need to be coming up and talking about policies and communicating with these black and Latino people. That is the base. That's who you're ignoring. Stop with this mythical Trump supporter who hates black people but somehow is going to vote for you because you're talking about income inequality. I mean, really, the question for you then is, and this I'm posing this to you, Stanley, so keep keep over here, um, which is, is it, some people have said, well, that it's more that, you know, people of color need to come out and vote, and other people have said that the Democrats need to give the give people of color somebody to vote for and Hillary Clinton wasn't that person. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you say to that? Or is that it a combination pretty simple. of both? It's no, it's Democrats need to give people of color something to vote for because Hillary Clinton, I, I told people to vote for her. I pushed for her. I didn't like her. Her and her husband have not been good for black communities. It's, it's, it's just a fact. Give some, give them someone that can vote for that they can vote for, and give them someone that's actually talking about the issues they care about. Bernie Sanders had some great policies, but he did not know how to talk to communities of color. He literally gave up in the South during the primaries because he knew he couldn't reach black and brown people. 
You need somebody who has a lot of the economic policies as Bernie Sanders, but understands the racial frame and understands how to connect with people of color. Because if you don't do that, you can't rely on these white voters to vote for you anymore. They, right. they love Trump. It's it's obvious. Right. And just to bring things back, because you're right, we have a lot of work to do before 2020. And we definitely need to put a lot of focus on 2018 so that we can win back uh, the House, if not the Senate as well. But in the meantime, we still have Donald Trump and the atrocities of his administration, the lies, the corruption, and the collusion. And we're dealing with that every single day, almost hour by hour. Um, what should and can we be doing now? I mean, there's a lot of calls from the left that say, regardless of the fact that we don't have an FBI director right now, this investigation must continue. How do we continue to push for this investigation? I mean, listen, I think part of that is we need to keep contacting our elected representatives, tell them that we want there to be an independent investigation, that we want there to be a special prosecutor. Um, those are definitely things we can do right now. We should be doing. Um, obviously, I, there is a handful of Donald Trump supporters or people that formerly supported Donald Trump that voted for him. It's a very small number of people that have now turned on him that do find some of these things concerning. They need to be especially vocal um, because because politicians need to be hearing from people on the right and on the left. If they're obviously only hearing from one group, they're going to believe that it's totally a partisan thing. Um, and they're going to say, but we're not hearing from our Republican or right wing people. Um, so obviously, if you are conservative or if you're right wing and this concerns you, which it should, then you should also be contacting your elected officials. I think the second thing that we needed to do is we can't rely on Republicans to do this for us, which is to say, I agree with you guys. I think no matter how bad this gets, I don't know if Republicans are actually going to start impeaching Donald Trump. I think it's more likely than somebody taps him on the shoulder and tells him it's time to resign than Republicans actually impeaching him. I could be wrong. So how do we fix that scenario? Well, we fix that scenario by electing more Democrats in 2018, which we were just talking about, which means keep paying attention um, and, you know, keep keep your, you know, don't get discouraged by what's going on. 2018 is right around the corner. We're going to have the opportunity to vote some of these people out and vote in some people that can make waves. And, you know, just don't don't lose focus. Keep your eye on the ball. A lot of more stuff is going to come out. It means a lot less is going to get done with the political agenda. I think that's also going to hurt Republicans. So we need to stay on them. We need to stay on our elected officials and we need to go out in 2018 and vote. Stanley, final word. <sighs> You know, I, I'm not gonna. I don't have a lot of positives for this. Mm -hmm. There's a good chance that this might get slipped under the rug. Oh, really? I agree. Yeah. It's just he fired because who, no matter who he appoints, it's going to be his guy. Mm. It's either going to be someone that is like his person, like Rudy Giuliani, yeah, God forbid. Or, I doubt it's going to be Merrick Garland. Yeah, or it's going to be somebody that they'll get enough Democrat support that like he'll get he'll get the slide. But they would have had enough time to get rid of all of the hard and seriously incriminating evidence. So the person's going to get in there and. The, the investigation is going to be over or he'll have done two more new dumb things and we won't have the energy to focus on that because I don't know maybe he shot off a nuclear missile at the sun which is totally <laughs> which is totally possible with Donald Trump because that's the kind of person that he is so I, I, I really don't know and I'm just really just it's frustrating because you you want to think that people care about the country more than they care about their party and the Republican Party has it's, it's, it's a disgrace, to be quite honest. I mean, it, it definitely feels like we are in a different time, a different era. And But I, I will say for us progressives on the left, like we have to continue to stay energized. Um, it, things don't look good. I agree. But right now, you know what Donald Trump is trying to investigate? 
imaginary voter fraud. He is he has assigned people uh, within his administration to uh, change or, or to reallocate their resources and their energy to voter fraud to prove that somehow he did not lose the popular vote by almost three million to Hillary Clinton. Not just that the chief leader in voter fraud, he has he's made a career of disenfranchising. Yes. Black and brown people from voting. He is running this. Do you know what's going to happen? There's going to be mass voter fraud, like voter voter um, voter blockage in this next election. They like the Republican Party, and this is the reason they like Trump. the The director of the U.S. Census resigned because Republicans wouldn't give him enough resources to do a census properly. You know what the census affects? The districts. Yep. You know what the districts do when it's time to to do um redistricting? Not redistricting. Um. Redrawing the lines. Yeah, yeah drawing basically. the lines. It helps Republicans draw them in a way that keep them in power. So now that guy resigns and you have somebody looking into voter fraud, you know what's going to happen? We're going to go back to the days of having to have like literacy tests so you can register to vote. I mean, will it and can it get that bad? I know we're wrapping up here. I mean, listen, I don't know if we're going to go back to literary literacy tests because they've been ruled unconstitutional. But what I will say is there was a really interesting piece that was published in The Nation magazine last week that shows that 200,000 people, mainly black and Hispanic people, were disenfranchised in the state of Wisconsin. If you remember correctly, Hillary Clinton lost the state of Wisconsin by 70,000 votes. And had she won the state of Wisconsin, obviously she still would have needed to win Michigan. Michigan and Pennsylvania in order to win the election, um, but she would have been in a better position to having won the election. Remember, the, there has been about four cases of voter fraud, in-person voter fraud, which is the only thing an, thing an ID prevents against in the past 12 years, whereas now we're talking about 200,000 people being disenfranchised. This is exactly what Republicans want. This is not a bug. It's a feature, and we need to be pushing back against it. Absolutely, guys, and I just want to say that the more you know, the more informed we are, the more empowered we are to make the decisions and to protect our own interests. I want to say that regardless on what side of the aisle you stand on when it comes to politics, um, this is a nonpartisan issue. Right now, Donald Trump is jeopardizing our democracy. I mean, imagine what the rest of the world sees and looks at when they see everything that's going on here. He is not only jeopardizing that, but our demo, um, our, all of our institutions and the credibility of the White House. This is all in jeopardy under the Trump administration. And it's not looking good. I think that we need to continue to make sure that we stay informed, make sure we stay empowered and educated, and just stay abreast in the issues. I mean, Donald Trump does a lot of things to distract us. I just think he's distracting. I don't think he's intentional, but because I just think he's a, a drama king. But we definitely need to make sure that we're not only paying attention to the tweets, not only paying attention to the celebrities that he calls out or lambasts, but the things that affect our democracy, our policy, and, and even our districts. I mean, there's a lot going on we'll continue to stay focused on it here and let your voice be heard and we'll continue advocating for um, our voices and our rights to continue to be upheld on that note we do need to take a quick break but don't go anywhere we'll be right back on let your voice be heard
We are back on Let Your wow. Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHC, are the voice of Harlem. Confessions what up, from Facebook Stanley. Live on Stanley Stream. What up, Facebook Live on Alyssa Stream. What up, WHCR. If you have just tuned in, this is Stanley Fritz with Selena Hill and Alyssa Fuchs. They have their laptops. I don't have mine, but I do have my favorite hoodie. Sally Mae is a thought. I'm not trying to slut shame. I'm just saying I hate Sally Mae. <laughs> and we just finished a conversation talking about Russia and what Russia has been doing too. Well, maybe not what they've been doing, but what they've possibly been doing with Donald Trump and how Donald Trump has been trying to cover his tracks by firing the FBI director, James Comey, who was investigating Donald Trump for possibly doing some very bad things with Russia. Now it's the news roundup where we talk about our favorite news stories, things that made you laugh, cry, curse, flip a table, or maybe even kick a TV screen aggressively. And I want to start it off because I always had the littest, most fittest, always the realest mother-loving news. What? Oh, I don't have any news. Just kidding. So... <laughs> So my new story, I want to start it off just light because that's what I do. So Christoph Porzingis, the power forward slash small forward slash center for the New York Knicks, tweeted out L.A. Clippers smiley face. Now, this means nothing to you, Selena. But <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking oh about. you got to right. break it down. So I Christoph, I, there's one sport I don't watch. I'm going to get the haters after me now, but it's basketball. The basketball? Oh, oh why, Alyssa? I, I like hockey, and I like football, and I like baseball. I'm just not into basketball. Such a white, such a white man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh yes, because football. Oh well, actually, no. Yeah, yeah. football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, football's like air. All matter. But anyways, guys. So Christoph Porzingis is, is the, the the star player for the Knicks. He's upset with the Knicks right now, and there have been rumors that he or or Carmelo Anthony will get traded to the Clippers. So the Clippers, <gasps> not Carmelo. Yeah, definitely Carmelo, who is trying to is fighting to keep his marriage together. So Christoph. During a playoff game when the Knicks are not playing because they got eliminated, after he left New York without talking to the team and has not talked to anyone at all for the New York Knicks, tweeted out Clippers with a smiley face. And then shortly afterwards said, oh, no, I was hacked. You know it's not me because I don't use that emoji. So now everyone thinks that Christoph Porzingis wants to get traded from the Knicks. Oh, my God. Oh, the scandal. You don't even, you don't even sound slightly interested. <laughs> Because we're not. <laughs> Still, I cared about Carmelo Anthony because I hope him and his marriage with Lala Yo, works out. Lala but has been flex, flexing out here. She has been flexing. You saw she came out there with the freaking dress. She had rings on every yeah, finger. Except for except her for ring the, finger. Yo, I saw I'm that. I'm telling you. And you know mad dudes in her DMs like, yo, you all right? I'm here for you. I know. Well, hopefully Lala gets a nice little book deal and starts making media appearances and makes some a money off for, this scandal. And she can make, make sure she hit up Selena and do an interview with Black Enterprise while she's at no, it. No, for real. I mean, like all this. I mean, if if she was really, if he really impregnated a stripper, mm -hmm. she could write a book. Another First one. Of all, the stripper's in college, and she's getting a master's in psychology. So it sounds like a Kanye song. It really <laughs> does. Like this whole. Hold on, before we get to the serious news, can I just talk about the Bow Wow challenge really quickly? Oh. The, were you guys okay? First of all, little Bow Wow has taken another L. It's so funny. I forgot who tweeted this out, but they were like the only person. I think it was Trevor Noah. He said the only person having a worse week than James Comey was little Bow Wow. Why? Because he put out an Instagram picture alluding that he was on a private jet and he was going to take this jet to New York City to make media rounds for his new reality show. Meanwhile, someone took a Snapchat picture of him on a plane, on a commercial flight, saying this dude Bow Wow is uh, basically trying to act like he's taking a private flight. No, he's right next to me on this commercial flight. Bow Wow, you get no wins. You get more L's. And then Bow Wow said, all these people checking an old picture of me, of me trying to make me look like I'm broke. 
So then somebody, like, they reverse searched the picture of the private jet, and it was a stock image from a company that sells private jets in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Yep. So he got caught. So now the Bow Wow Challenge is people are, like, they'll take a picture saying you're doing something which you're not. So somebody will take a picture of a stack of money and say, I got all this money. And in the next frame, you'll see, like, it's someone else's money. So that's the Bow Wow Challenge. So if you want to do the Bow Wow Challenge, I'll do it right now. Aren't I sexy? And now you see my face. Not so sexy, right? <laughs> Bow Wow Challenge accomplished. You know who won the challenge? Who? Donald Trump and Mike Pence. They won the Bow Wow Challenge because apparently, I think, I don't know if it was Getty, but a photographer took a picture of them and they put the caption of it saying that, oh, they were watching, what were they watching? They were supposedly watching something like important on TV, but a mirror show that what they were actually doing was flipping through the channels. So they won the Bow Wow Challenge. No, I got a good one. How about when Donald Trump rode the truck? In the White House oh, yeah. and made it seem like he was actually driving this truck. But oh, on second thought, he was really just sitting in the cab of the truck and it looked like he was taking a poop. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Donald Trump wins the Bow Wow Challenge. So speaking of poop, um, I'm going to tell you about somebody who's really crappy. <laughs> and Great transition, Alyssa. And it's the West Virginia Supreme Court. So apparently the West Virginia Supreme Court ruled this week that if you assault a gay person, that is not a hate crime. Mm. Um, and that they, they generally rule that um that even if you are like yelling like the f word at somebody and calling them gay or queer saying, or whatever, i'm attacking you because you're gay and attacking them because they're gay and then beating them up that is apparently in west virginia that is not a hate crime which you know should obviously be distinguished from if you get in a fight with somebody over something like they owe you money and they happen to be gay and you guys get in a fist fight then that is clearly not a hate crime right but when you are following somebody taunting them using gay slurs and then beating them up because they are gay that is clearly a hate crime but apparently not the case in west virginia so if i go up to somebody and i start punching them in the face and i say i am punching you in the face because you are gay and i hate that <laughs> that's not they a hate won't crime. be charged that's not a hate crime in west virginia that is amazing i don't i mean no, no no they'll be charged but they won't be charged with a hate crime wasn't this case like uh weren't they trying to uh didn't it weren't they trying to change this uh, uh like two dozen times like they kept trying to get this uh as a hate crime well i mean it depends on i mean that's a thing it like depends on state law so under federal law um we like federal law is really complicated because federal law basically does not classify like attacking somebody for being gay as a federal hate crime whereas if you attack somebody for being black, that is a federal hate crime that you can be prosecuted under both state law for and federal law. Um, so this basically leaves it to the states to determine what's a hate crime and what's not. So in New York State, if you attack somebody who is gay um, while berating them for being gay and you specifically attack them because they're gay or trans or black or white or, you know, any any reason that you might go after somebody that's not just like, um, I'm trying to rob you and it has nothing to do with your race or your sexuality or your gender or anything like that, then, you know, that is a hate crime. And what we mean by hate crime is a hate crime in New York basically bumps up um, a lower level felony to a higher level felony. So right now, if you like engage in this kind of behavior towards somebody, that might be a C felony. But if you do it because somebody's gay or because somebody's black, that becomes a B felony, which has stricter pel penalties. Oh, B for black. Um, no, Stanley, <laughs> not really. Well, side note, actually, and we can talk about this in more detail, which is a side story that the New York State Legislature right now is actually trying to pass a bill that would make attacking a police officer a hate crime. And we should 
talk about that. Yeah. Obviously, civil liberties groups are up in arms about it's that. It's called a Blue Lives Matter uh, bill. It's called a Blue Lives Matter bill. And can I just jump in for one second? Every single Democrat in the Senate except for six voted for it. Um, wow. Yeah, so we can and should talk about that at a later time. But just to finish out my thoughts on this, which is, um, so it goes state by state. So in New York, that is a hate crime. But in West Virginia, apparently it's not. And just remember, in lots and lots of states, gay people do not have protections. In fact, in New York state, trans people do not have protections in the workplace, which is if you come out as transgender to your boss, your boss can fire you and you cannot bring a lawsuit. And that's even in New York state, which is a mm. quote unquote progressive state. So obviously we know that a lot of these things are not going to get done at the federal level and we shouldn't expect them to be getting done, especially with Donald Trump as the president. But we need to stay on our state and local elected officials about these issues as well. No, absolutely. Absolutely, guys. Um, and I do just want to switch gears a little bit to talk about. Another debacle under the Trump administration. Her name is Betsy DeVos. So she decided, well, she didn't decide. She was invited by a historically black university uh, to come speak and give their commencement speech um, weeks ago. As soon as this was announced, there were petitions, there were protests. People were like, the last person we want to come speak at, uh, to, to, do, to do a commencement speech, to have that honor at an HBCU is Betsy DeVos, someone who is for the privatization of, of public schools, uh, someone who uh, had a misspeak when it came to um, HBCUs earlier this year. She said the historically black colleges came because of school choice. I actually right. had the audio if you guys would oh, hear oh, the yeah, glorious yeah, yeah. noise. So here's, here's the audio. I'm going to turn off the mic so everyone can hear them. Dr. Jackson, Board of Trustees, thank you so very, very much for this great honor and privilege. I am honored to become a Wildcat. And it's a real honor and privilege. So the part that you can't see is that Dirty Betsy had um, had the honor of seeing a whole bunch of um, disrespectful, as I love to call them, black students turned their back to her and then the uncle tom president of the college said that he would mail their degrees to them if they kept going which doesn't make any sense because everyone gets their degrees mailed to them you're getting a piece of paper that says you did it when you walk up and got a diploma that's, so I, I mean, that's that. true. You know, there's this other theory that's out there. I'll put it out there. You guys can tell me what you think about it, which is that the Trump administration purposely set this up so that they can then use this video as a prop to say, look at all these black students being disrespectful to this nice white Christian woman. So what do you guys think about that? Well, first of all, I mean, if anybody was disrespected, I think it was the students. They made it their business to let everyone know they do not want her there. They worked four years and the last person they weren't speaking at their commencement with someone from the Trump administration. Me, and then their oh. president on top of that was like, you guys better stop. He scolded them like they were like in preschool. You guys better stop that. Or I'm a million degrees. I think the students were disrespected. I mean, first of all, I don't give the Trump administration any credit for being able to think two steps ahead. They're stupid. Like we saw what happened when it came to just the scandal with uh, Comey. Like President Donald Trump, he does stupid things. And then in return, the administration tries to put tries to lie and cover it up and then it all blows up in their face i do not think that's what happened so not at all we should be very clear about what you're witnessing here so it's amazing that these young women and men graduated from college because they faced many obstacles a lot of the obstacles they face are because of people like betsy devos the school to prison pipeline the underfunding of public schools the stripping of funding of public schools the, un the instability of strong teachers 
the unqualified people who are in their classrooms, the over-policing of their neighborhoods, that all happens because of people like Betsy DeVos and what they believe in. So after they have defeated all those things, why would you bring in a symbol of their oppression, a symbol of their oppressor, into that into that space? This is not a celebration of them anymore because what you did was, one, you turned it into a political spectacle. Two, the Trump administration and Betsy DeVos, they clearly do not care about black people when Trump was just the other day saying that it's illegal to give black colleges money. It's, this is this is a slap in the face to all these kids who have worked so hard. And you took a day that was supposed to be theirs and you turned it into a big political joke. And Betsy DeVos is unqualified to be education secretary. She's unqualified to walk into a school and she really needs to go back to whatever hole she came from. And, and just to add on that, another topic that we've spoke in great length about here on Let Your Voice Be Heard has uh, was predatory schools, right? Predatory colleges that prey on black and brown students in particular and those of low income. Stanley was one of them. Uh, and our president, he had one of those schools. It was called Trump University. Betsy DeVos and her administration hired two high-ranking officials who are who were strongly connected to predatory colleges to work in the administration. Now, one of the people that was hired, from my understanding, is no longer there. But just the fact that she took initiative to hire these people to work under our Department of Education shows you what they're trying to do. They're trying to dismantle public education in favor of privatization. And on top of that, she's also the same person that was like, hey, I think school teachers should bring guns and side of classrooms this is what she thinks of education i don't want to be near her as well i don't blame the students for booing her and all the people that said that, that they were being disrespectful and that black people should learn how to protest in a more quaint way that you guys what, need to stop mean, with that article you mean with um, argument with guns because that's of course how white people protest when they're not happy about something they show up places with guns or you know they take over a wildlife refuge uh with their guns or they you know take over some other land and well, say that they're not le- leaving um and they do that with their guns so you know if they want people to really protest more like white people then maybe we should have a whole bunch of black open carry supporters show up in an open carry state and, uh, you know, have a, a protest the way, quote, unquote, white people have a protest. This country should be happy that black people don't protest the way that black that white people do. If we did, there'd be blood in the streets. I mean, we tried during the, the Black Panther Party when they no. when they had their Second Amendment right. They used their Second Amendment right to carry arms, and we see how that uh, played out, especially I mean, in California. When they, black people have Second Amendment rights. In the, <laughs> in the, in <laughs> but, I mean, we tried to take advantage of it during that one particular sector of time, and then we see that California passed legislation saying that you can no longer carry around arms in public. So it's like it works against us. And I just want to add, last but not least, for all of those who were saying that the students were disrespectful to Betsy DeVos, Bessie DeVos is in in progress right now of developing a student loan repayment plan that will make it harder for 97% of the current student body that was at that college to to get student loans and to go to college. So Mm -hmm. this administration is blatantly against black and brown students. And education in the education system that we need to support our children. Booing is the least we could do. Yeah. We can move on. You guys, you guys want to hear another good story that you're gonna? We'll, we'll call this the story of why am I surprised? Uh-huh. So, a 47 year old police sergeant in Michigan, oh. he thought he was a white man, and then oh, he yes. did a DNA test, and it turns out that his father was actually black. Um, and <laughs> after he found out that he was actually African American, guess what happened? 
all the other police officers at the police station started making fun of him and taunting him and saying racist things towards him. And we will add this to the list of stories of the called the why am I not surprised story. <laughs> no, no, yeah, absolutely right. First of all, like he he doesn't really look like he was a person of color. So maybe they were making fun of him because I don't maybe they were like, you're still white. You know what I'm saying? Like you really can't play the black card or, or try to, you know, claim affirmative action. <laughs> Well, so uh, here are some of the allegations that he has brought in his lawsuit that some of the department members started walking by him, whispering Black Lives Matter while pumping their fists as they walked by. Um, Someone told a joke that used the N-word, which I will not repeat on the radio or ever. Um, And somebody put a black Santa on his locker and wrote 18% on the beard, 18% being the amount that he found out that he was black. Um, And all of this started happening after he received the results. Oh, and apparently somebody also called him Kunta. (gasps) Oh, Stanley. Stanley, is this funny? Kunta? Yeah. Well, I mean... Look, if it was all in good jest, <laughs> but it doesn't seem like that. It's it seems like it'd be racist. Wait, wait. Let's go back to when Selena uh, circa a few months ago. When you say racist things, you're racist. Yeah, yeah you're racist. I mean, there's no way to put it. I kind of feel sorry for the white slash black cop. Um, <laughs> He might want to think about... Unfortunately, it looks like he's going to have to leave his job because he's being discriminated uh, against. So he's seeking $500,000 in his lawsuit oh, against it? the city and against that's a pretty decent amount. You know what? He was literally black for like a day or two and he got all and now he finally feels what it feels like to be a black person. Welcome to now you know. Right? Well, this welcome to welcome to uh being a black man. Hold on. Before we before <laughs> we move on. All right, go last ahead. story. Steve Harvey. Did you guys oh, see God. That letter that he distributed to his entire staff saying, do not talk to me when I'm in my dressing room. Or I'm in the green room. Do not approach me if you see me walking down the halls. Do not ask me to sign anything or take pictures from you. I do, don't acknowledge me because I will not acknowledge you. And if you come that's near my dressing room, you will be extor- escorted out by security. That's not exactly what he said. I mean, that was the tone. He said, "If you don't pop up, don't pop up on me. I don't like people that pop up on me. If you want to see me, make an appointment." Stop. I think that's don't, pretty fair. Don't yeah, I think like I, don't, am I the only one against? Don't no, listen, I don't like when people show up at my office without an appointment. Well, here's the thing: I have to say, Steve Harvey, you signed up for this. You wanted to be a rich, famous man. Guess what? Then you know what he also said? He was like, "Oh, I can't even walk to my car without being bombarded." You're a rich famous man you are a superstar i'm sorry but that is the price to pay you compromise privacy stop complaining about it honestly i feel like he's complaining and i feel like he's being a mean stickler i think that steve harvey should lighten up a little bit more he had a few other moments where he was not seen in the best light and this is just further hurting his personal brand he was being uncle tom yes that too well, being an Uncle Tom and wanting privacy are two different things. I can't. I don't think he deserves privacy. I don't think he needs to be an Uncle Tom, but he is. So, guys, we're going on a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking about the financial crisis in Puerto Rico, and we have an amazing guest. You could even call her lit. She a porn star girl, all from the valley. Who
This is Philip Harvey, the host of C3 Arts Radio, the broadcast arm of the City College Center for the Arts. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you were just tuning in. What song was that? That was I Spy with Kyle featuring Little Yachty. Oh. Or as I call him, Yachty. I didn't know what his name was. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And this is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you were just tuning in, like I said before, this is Stanley Fritz or Big Negro, not Little Yachty. And I'm also here with Selena. You call yourself (laughs) Big Negro now? We call Stanley. This is Big Lou. You're calling me a big Negro, Selena? That's racist. No, you call yourself big Negro. I don't remember that happening. I remember anyway. you calling me a big Negro. I, I think we have it on recording. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, uh, you know, it's fa- on those secret... It's one of those leaked tapes. It's on those secret leaked Trump tapes. Facts don't matter. So, I'm also here with Selena Hill and, of course, Alyssa Fuchs looking like the leprechaun from the hood today in all <laughs> green. And we have just finished doing the news roundup, our Spring favorite colors, segment throughout man. the Spring show, colors. where we talk about the news stories that kind of made us confused, including the white cop who found out he was 18% black and is now suing his apartment for racism. Life comes at you fast. So now, guys, we are switching gears. We are changing the conversation. We are changing it drastically. How drastically? Very mother-loving drastically. We are talking about Puerto Rico, the 51st state, or just the Commonwealth, if you ask Donald Trump and other such folk. And why are we talking about Puerto Rico? Well, because a little under, or maybe over a year ago, we had a segment saying, asking the question, was Puerto Rico America's side chick? And the reason we said that was because Puerto Rico was having all these financial troubles, and they could get out of it if America would just allow them to either file for bankruptcy or acknowledge them as a state and give them support. America would do neither. But Puerto Ricans are considered American citizens. They can go on American soil. They can collect benefits to a certain extent. And it's been that way for a long time. Why? I'm not really sure. Do Puerto Ricans like that? I'm not really sure. Sometimes I think it's awesome. Sometimes I don't. But I'm not Puerto Rican. I'm not from the land of Puerto Rico. So because of that, We're really left in a strange place. And after that segment happened, we kind of left it alone for a little bit. And then I saw this in the news. Puerto Rico is filing one of the biggest bankruptcies, municipal bankruptcies, in American history. What does that mean? Currently, they have a $70 billion debt to their creditors. $70 billion. Their country has an 11.5% unemployment rate. And people are leaving the country left and right. It's a bigger bankruptcy than the one that Detroit filed in 2013. How much was Detroit's? It was $18 billion. It's bigger than that, which is crazy because technically, actually, technically Detroit is an official state and Puerto Rico is not, but their debt is bigger. And a lot of Puerto Rico's debt comes from Americans coming over and screwing up their country. But hey, what do I know? And while all this is happening, Donald Trump is saying that he's not going to bail them out. He's not going to help them because they got themselves in this mess and they have to now get themselves out of it. And because of this bankruptcy and because of these financial problems, Puerto Rico also has to close 184 schools, impacting an estimated 27,000 students. So now Puerto Rico has $70 billion in debt. It's filing for a former bankruptcy, is not going to get help from the United States of America, and has to close 184 schools, impacting 27,000 students. And because I am not the sharpest tool in the shed, and I want to make sure you guys have a really fruitful conversation about this where you learn a lot, we have a special guest on the air today who is going to help us understand how this is happening, why this is happening, how we got here, and what we can do in the future to support Puerto Rico or to just run away crying because it's all too depressing and overwhelming. I guess the choice is really yours. And to help us with that, we have a wonderful human being. Let me tell you how I met this person. First of all, she is not only intelligent, she is a legal person, which means she knows the laws. The eyebrows are on Zeckington. 
the eyelashes on Zekin Trillion. She moves through the streets like a politician. She could run for office if she felt like it, but she probably won't because she don't need to live that life. She's out here up in Harlem, but she runs through the Bronx and Brooklyn. She was in Cali last week looking out for our prisoners, and she's always an activist and a voice in the hood. Oh, and by the way, she could cross you over because she's a baller. I actually don't know that. I've never seen her play basketball, but it sounds like a cool thing to say. So now, who's this special guest who's calling in, who's on the line right now, probably rolling her eyes and or yawning because I'm taking very long to introduce her. Her <laughs> name is Stephanie Yanis Martin, and she is an attorney and Bertha Justice Institute fellow at the Center for Constitutional Rights. That's right. The Center for Constitutional Rights. And I didn't know that the Center for Constitutional Rights was this folk. It might just be her. But no, they're, they're pretty woke. We've had other guests from the I know, CCR like, on Yeah, there. but like you haven't seen Stephanie moving out here oh. in these streets. Oh, wow. She's, she's making moves. So, Stephanie, we with have... No, no more further ado. With no more further ado, this is the one you want to talk to. So she, so she can tell you about Puerto Rico. Did I say that right, Selena? It sounds like you said it right to me. Yeah, you're, you're, you're one-eighth Indian. Right. Anything. Like, I wouldn't know anyway. But it sounds like a good accent. Stephanie, talk to us. What's going on? What's up, mi gente? Thank you so much for having me. And that was a really really kind introduction and i don't play ball but if i did i wish i played it like you described it oh <laughs> <Que lo que laughs> i'm gonna i sound like i'm, I'm appropriate i'm gonna stop with all of these please do horrible things but let me tell you there's three things that i have always loved my entire life i always loved puerto rico dominican republic and hookah no <laughs> lie i just started liking hookah like five years ago but i was oh my god i had Stanley. the skills on the handball court and you've never been to either island actually i have been to dr oh Oh, okay, I didn't yeah, know that. Like I, I went to Haiti. It's like you can trip into DR. Oh, okay. Well, really. I didn't, you had to, to travel some, but still, I've been there. But anyways, guys, we're not here to talk about how much I love um, Latinx culture. We're here to talk to Stephanie about what's happening in Puerto Rico. So, Stephanie, before we even talk about Puerto Rico, I want to ask you a question. How the heck did we get to this point? Yeah, that's a really good question, and it's a question that um, we can come at in different ways, right? So I'll start by saying that Puerto Rico actually has a debt um, that's around $123 billion when you when you put in the pensions that um, need to be paid. Um, and as you said, to put that in context, yeah, Detroit had an $18 billion debt, and the largest insolvency in the world was actually done by Argentina, which had a debt of $155 billion. And so we are, we are significantly um, I'm seeing a, a, at one point an economic crisis, but what we really don't talk about um, oftentimes, what the media doesn't talk about, is how this is actually a humanitarian crisis, um, this is a crisis that is really going to the hearts and the souls and the dignity of people. So, uh, you know, two years ago, over two years ago, the governor of Puerto Rico at the time by the, uh, had said how Puerto Rico, the debt Puerto Rico had was not going to be able to be repaid. Said this a long time ago. And uh, last year in the summer of 2016, what President Obama decided to do was establish, uh, pass a bill called the Puerto Rico Oversight Management and Economic Stability Act, also known as PROMESA, which ironically means promise in Spanish, um, in which a board of seven unelected people were appointed to not only oversee the economic debt in Puerto Rico, but to effectively govern the island of Puerto Rico. Um, as you can imagine, you know, people were incredibly outraged at the fact that seven people who were not elected were going to be governing their debt, people who have no um, fiduciary duty to the people of Puerto Rico or effectively no accountability to them. Their main purpose is to look out for and figure out how to pay the creditors back. Um, and so 
since they've taken their positions, um, we've come to the point where the board has said exactly what the governor said two and a half years ago, which is Puerto Rico cannot pay for its debt. So Puerto Rico cannot pay for its debt, and now you got to file for bankruptcy. My question is, how did so much debt fall onto the land? <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of it, right? Um, so, you know, I, I'm sure we are going to get into detail with this, but, you know, what we're seeing is people who are already suffering economically um, are getting now higher taxes. Um, $500 million is being cut from the University of Puerto Rico, which is essentially half its budget, um, which has led to massive strikes and demonstrations by the students. Um, Puerto Rico has the highest child poverty rate um, if the United States, if, if it was a state. It also is two times poorer than the state of Mississippi. Um, I mean, it's, it's massive suffering. We, uh, our water system is so bad. It's, it's the worst. Uh, there was reports that were released uh, this past week that it's the worst um, toxicity in the water system in the entire country, including Flint. Um, and, and as you stated, you know, over 180 schools are, are closing. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's massive amounts of, of violence and, and suffering as a result of, of this debt. Um, and so what we're seeing now is a lot of conversation about, well, bankruptcy court and bankruptcy this and bankruptcy that. So um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about that because I think it's important for people to kind of understand what's happening there. So like I said, the board invoked uh, bankruptcy, and essentially what's happening is that we're going to um, be heard by a judge. Now, what's different in this case is that it is not a Chapter 9 bankruptcy. Um, this is bankruptcy proceedings under PROMESA, the bill, which it's, it's something new and, and has never really happened, so there's no precedent for this kind of proceeding. Um, what it does mean is that we do not have an Article 1 judge, which means a bankruptcy judge. What we have is an Article 3 judge, with a ju which is a judge essentially who's appointed for life, um, and the judge appointed is Judge Swain, who's a judge from the Southern District of New York. She's a black woman. Um, and, and she's been appointed to oversee this case. Um, what's, what's the good piece of this is that, um, again, she's an Article III judge, so, you know, for example, Donald Trump can't fire her <laughs> um, for whatever decisions that she makes. Um, you know, it, it, she has a reputation for being a fair judge. And, um, you know, because it's a legal proceeding, she will have the ability to look deeply at each of these debts and really look at whether or not these debts were legal to begin with, much of which the people of Puerto Rico have been saying that this debt is actually a legal debt. Um, the bad thing about this is that it's actually not um, similar in the way that Chapter 9 is that usually the people who are negotiating on behalf of the debtors are the debtors themselves, so the people of Detroit. In this case, the people who are representing supposedly the people of Puerto Rico is the board, the Fiscal Control Board. Well, Stephanie, hold on for one second. I think, I think we want to backtrack for one minute. Alyssa? Yeah, no, we just wanted to backtrack because we wanted you to elaborate on why many people believe that these are illegal debts um, and what they plan on proving in court in front of this Article Three judge in order to be able to show that. Actually, and that's what I was getting at, the people will not be able to argue this because the people, unlike in Chapter 9 bankruptcy, the people of Puerto Rico will not be able to negotiate in this court proceeding. This court proceeding will also only be negotiated by the Fiscal Control Board. So that's one piece, which is what's really, you know, again, just another form of violence against us. Um, but the people, are, the people of Puerto Rico are saying, and I should say that there was a commission established by uh, Puerto Ricans that had been looking at this debt and had been making recommendation, and as soon 
of the Fiscal Control Board came into play, that commission was completely dismantled. Um, Stephanie, so what is a legal or an illegal debt? What does that even mean from the beginning, from the uh, fundamentally? Yeah, sure. So some bonds are secured and some bonds are unsecured, which means that, um, and again, I'm not an economist, but um, what it means is they're secured by government entities or people are able to effectively pay them back. Um, I think the majority of what people are saying as why this debt is illegal is because a lot when you usually take out um, debt in the name of you know a government for for a country of people, um, the benefits of that debt is supposed to go to people. The majority of, of of these debts, the the benefits of them did not go to the people, and so I mean it and it's very clear. Um, and what's not been talked about either is you know whether or not anybody is going to actually be held accountable criminally and civilly for um, whoever has actually been receiving. Um, benefits for this, which, of course, we um, broadly know that it's folks on Wall Street and uh, foreign investors. So you, I want to get you on that, on accountability piece because that was one of my questions as well. So you just said the folks on Wall Street. So do we have, like, specific bad actors or do we know it's just more so the institution of Wall Street? And if so, what would you like to see happen if you were in control of this? Yeah, no, there are specific folks, right? Like there are specific bonds to different corporations and companies. Um, there are specific hedge fund uh, folks who, you know, hedge fund vultures who have essentially preyed on um, the status of Puerto Rico. Um, and, you know, Puerto Rico for many years um, had triple tax exemption for, for companies and folks where you did not have to pay any form of tax on the island. Um, and so there are people and there are specific companies that, that can be held accountable. Um, I think, you know, for me, and, you know, I, I should say that what I'm saying is a reflection of what the movement in Puerto Rico has been, been saying is that, you know, and, and to, to, ask, to answer really your question at the beginning, which is why is Puerto Rico in this place to begin with, is we're, we're talking about 100 years plus of colonization, uh, of massive exploitation and domination um, uh, from the United States towards Puerto Rico and, and its people. Um, and, and this fiscal control board is just really another explicit notion that we are a colonized people. Um, they've, they've essentially, you know, it's interesting how people now are talking about Donald Trump and fascism and how can this be happening. But the reality is that we've been doing this to Puerto Rico for many, many years. And oh, Stephanie, sorry about that. Um, oh, wow. That was sorry. That was my mistake, Stephanie. So, um, so I was gonna I was gonna ask you to um ex- like to hold off on that just a little bit because I want to talk about that when we got back from break. Selena, did you have a question before we go to break? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Stephanie was doing such a great job and just delving into uh, the historical aspects and elements that played into the debt of today. Um, you know, the question I had was just in just the past two decades, how this debt was accumulating. From my understanding, it was a number of U.S. corporations in the 1980s and 1980s who decided to set up shop in Puerto Rico uh, to avoid, excuse me, 1990s. What did I say? 1980s and 1980s. <laughs> and 80s and 90s, excuse me. Um, yeah, so they... So they started to set up shop in Puerto Rico to avoid paying federal taxes due to a number of loopholes. And because they did that um, and, you know, tourism started, the tourism industry started to blossom there and created jobs. And it really helped boost the economy in Puerto Rico. But then when the loophole closed, they picked up and they left because that's what corporations do. It's all about their corporate interests, their bottom line and their capitalistic um, priorities. So they left and it left Puerto Rico pretty much 
damage. So I wanted, um, you know, if Stephanie can also add into how and why what this what this did to the to the island itself um you know as you continue to tell us about the historical aspects of colonization and how that's also hurt it i mean there's so many different factors to play right right no you did a wonderful job i i that's exactly right everything you just described was exactly right i mean there was um, tax uh, loopholes for corporations who wanted to set up shop in Puerto Rico, um, and you know, which is why we had a a booming pharmaceutical industry on the island where companies came, pharmaceutical companies came. The idea was that you would get the tax loop, um, or you would get the tax break if you created a significant, uh, a certain number of jobs. To be clear, those jobs or the, or the threshold minimum was actually never created, um, but the jobs that were created, again. As you said, when the tax break was up, the corporations just left. So people were left with um, no jobs. Um, and, and so, again, it's just one of those, one of those ways in which it, this wasn't a, a decision made by the people of Puerto Rico. This was the United States implementing this tax break um, for corporations to set up shop there. It always seems like that's what the United States is doing, is always looking out for corporations and leaving the people out to dry. So we have to go on a quick break. When we come back, in the spirit of talking about the way that the United States has taken advantage of Puerto Rico, I want to talk about what you kind of alluded to, just that that, that, that hundreds of, well, a lot of years of history of just America colonizing Puerto Rico. And because I love this song, and Selena requested a different song, I'm playing this. No, I like this one. We are back on the ship voice we heard Didn't on ninety point three. married to J-Lo? Of course, yeah. for seven years, and they had two kids. Word. So we are back on the ship voice we heard on ninety point three FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz with Alyssa Fuchs and Jackie Cohen, and we also have Jackie Steph- Cohen's not here. Oh, why? Right. You wow. love Jackie so much that I, you're shouting Jackie out I, today and forgetting about Selena. It's a force <gasps> of habit. Hold on. So you replaced Jack? You replaced me with Jackie? You're both my enemies. <laughs> I guess that's... Uh, there's a new war that just started here. Oh, uh, yeah, God. it is. It's brewing up. Oh, no. So, guys, just to let you guys know, we're in the studio right now with Selena Hill and Alyssa Fuchs, and we also have a very special guest on the line, Stephanie Yanis Martin. And, Stephanie, if I'm butchering your, your um, last name, forgive me. I apologize. And also punch me in the right arm the next time you see me. Stephanie is helping us have a conversation about Puerto Rico's debt crisis. And why is she helping us have that conversation besides the fact that she's lit? Well, because she's an attorney and the Bertha Justice Institute fellow at the Center for Constitutional Rights. Yes, that's right. She's got the plug. Before we went on break, Stephanie was talking a little bit about the history of the U.S. and Puerto Rico and how the U.S. has helped corporations pretty much take advantage of the country. And Alyssa, I know you had a quick comment, so let's let you get to it. Yeah, no, I mean, I just wanted to point out, and I know we've talked about this and she was talking about the history, but there's a lot of Americans that don't seem to understand why we have this relationship with Puerto Rico. And obviously part of it is colonialism, which we're going to talk about, and I know our great guest is going to talk about it in a minute. And part of it is also that Puerto Ricans volunteered by the hundreds of thousands to fight in World War One, right alongside of our military. And that has a lot of reason to do why anybody who's born in Puerto Rico is a U.S. citizen, despite the fact that Puerto Rico is not a state. I think Stephanie's going to disagree with you. you uh, Well, no, I'm I'm saying there's two different aspects. There's the colonialism, which I'm going to let her talk about. I'm just clarifying why a lot of people don't seem to understand that Puerto Ricans are American citizens. And that really stems a lot out of World War One. So, Stephanie, go ahead, cook. 
Yeah, so I think, you know, that's, that's she's right, and that Puerto Ricans did absolutely fight in the war, but I think the starting point is a little bit different, right? The reason Puerto Ricans, after having been colonized 50 years later, became uh, American citizens, and mind you, Puerto Ricans did not want to become American citizens, was particularly so the United States can use our men to go fight this war. Um, so the starting point is different. Um, but, but as you said, you know, Puerto Rico in 1898, uh, when, you know, at the end of Spain's uh, rule of the island, that, you know, they decided to pack up and leave, finally, um, and, you know, declared that Puerto Rico would be a free country. The United States at that point swooped in, um, military full force, um, to take control of Puerto Rico. And um, what we've seen is, you know, massive domination and exploitation ever since. Uh, they took all of our um, wealth industries, meaning uh, coffee and, and sugarcane primarily, um, uh, taking land from, from farmers and, and people. Um, and, you know, Puerto Rico has been used for many years, uh, was used as a military base uh, to test bombs, um, and bombs that ironically were then used on people in the Middle East. And so, um, you know, there have been many reasons why Puerto Rico has been, you know, a particular point uh, of interest for the United States. And, um, and so what's ironic is talking about that, that kind of handing over moment between Spain and, and the United States, it's interesting because when the United States, you know, effectively wanted to take control over Puerto Rico, there was a supposed debt that Puerto Rico had to the, to the people of, of Spain. And when the United States swooped in, Spain said to the United States, you guys are going to have to pay us that debt since you're now going to effectively control the island. And what is so interesting is that the United States um, took it to a, a court, and I can't remember exactly which court it was, but basically it argued that the debt was an odious debt, meaning that because that debt did not primarily benefit the people of Puerto Rico, that the debt was illegal and that the United States did not have to pay back. And they won. They won. The United States did not have to pay that debt, that debt and that debt was cleared. Um, and so, you know, people have been talking about whether or not we could potentially, you know, bring that argument again, although, of course, it would be in American courts, which would be a completely different context. Wow. wow. So, yeah, right? Talk about irony. No, I mean, the U.S. has such a troubling relationship with Puerto Rico that is rooted in exploitation. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for that history, uh, Stephanie, you know. You just schooled the crap out of me. I just thought that Puerto Ricans came here because, you know. They just came here. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Like, but I mean, you know, it, it's definitely very troubling. I, you know, I'm just very interested in how you think the the island, the country, um, I mean, the island should should move forward now. I mean, do you guys want to just be a completely separate and self sovereign? Is that what is that what Puerto Rico is fighting for? Yeah, you know, I think that that's a really good question, and it's one that I think people often ask. But I, I think. Let's think about it for a second, right? So when you've spent a 100 years and you've spent billions of dollars selling this lie to Puerto Ricans, right, meaning, you know, we've bailed you out, we've provided you freedom, uh, we've effectively given you a functioning government, uh, we have, you know, um, provided citizenship, um, when, you know, the potential of becoming a state is coming, this is what they've been telling folks for many years, uh, at the same time, we've seen that any challenge to power, particularly the power of the United States by Puerto Ricans, has resulted in the imprisonment of our freedom fighters, the death of our people, um, an increased military force on the island. 
um, when generations before us that are still alive vividly remember what happened to Cuba, um, which was effectively cut off from the from the rest of the world in, in many ways, right? The idea of of becoming free is hard for people. It, it's incredibly hard for people to to think about and conceive when people are thinking about surviving and their families and their safety. Um, so you know, obviously, depending on who you talk to. Um, Puerto Ricans are, are going to be on, on different sides. Some, some want statehood because they believe that's the best way out. Some want to stay exactly in the, in the relationship that we're in now. And some want independence. I think that what we're seeing is, and what we've seen in the past with the Puerto Rican independence movement, and now with this, and this movement that has arisen out of PROMESA and this, and this fiscal control board and this humanitarian crisis, is a movement that is saying um, we must um, change the relationship and we want to decolonize Puerto Rico. It's the oldest colony in the world, um, and we want a chance to be free from fear and exploitation and, and, and to be under, not to be under someone's permanent control anymore. Wow. So, so, Steph, you got all of us in here raising our hands and pumping our fists. So I want to, like, we're running out of time, so I want to get to Alyssa and, and, and Selena really quickly. Alyssa, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously we've seen a large migration of people leaving Puerto Rico and coming to the United States, especially because of the debt crisis, because, as we just discussed, people in Puerto Rico are American citizens. So at any time they can decide to leave the island and come live in a state and take advantage of, you know, those things. And so I guess the question really for you is, obviously, if Puerto Rico was to become a sovereign country, um, anybody who lived in Puerto Rico who I don't know how it would work, where they would say you're a citizen, you're not an American citizen. Like, obviously, the logistics of that would have to be worked out. But um, I've heard a lot of people push back and just say, like, we wouldn't want that because we wouldn't want to give up the benefits of the fact that we have American citizenship. At the same time, you also have people that are saying, you know, like, if things continue the way they are, everybody's going to leave Puerto Rico and come here to America because things have gotten so bad and like a lot of schools are closing and, you know, X, Y, Z. And so then that's going to lead to even more of a mass migration here into America, which would then potentially affect, you know, obviously things in America because you have more people coming into the country that are legally allowed to be here. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's a really complicated issue, but what do you say to those people that say they wouldn't want to have sovereignty because they want to remain American citizens? And also, how do you think this debt crisis impacts migration in terms of the United States itself and the continental U.S.? Sure, sure. I mean, I, I think... Uh the benefits for Puerto Ricans or the supposed benefits for Puerto Ricans for being American citizens is mainly what we're seeing at this moment, right? It's uh, massive domination exploitation. The people in Puerto Rico cannot vote for the president of the United States. We're not actually naturalized citizens. We're citizens because of a statute that made us citizens. Um, and so we're actually not full citizens. And, and the idea that we're coming to the U.S. is it's slightly skewed. We're being displaced to come to the United States. We're being forced to leave our country. Um, and so when we come here, that's the other thing. It's not like people get to the United States and it's all fun and games. We're still being met with an employment, lack of health care, um, police brutality, like many of the things that are affecting our black American brothers and sisters also affect the Puerto Rican people, and we've seen that through a history um, in New York and Philly and Florida uh, for a very long time. But um, I, I think that in terms of, of what we say is, you know, we have, to, we have to create a different existence, right? Like what is currently happening cannot be the fate of our people. If, if this massive uh, migration outside of the, of the island continues to happen, again, 500,000 people in 10 years, um, we're going to see Puerto Rico disappear. 
And, you know, I don't say that lightly. I, I say that, you know, with so much hurt and pain, and I think that's the pain and the hurt that you see in the eyes of the people who are resisting what's happening, um, because we are, we are effectively seeing our people and our culture and our heritage just disappear. Um, and so something needs to give and something needs to be different. And I don't believe that, that the answer is simply, well, let's just give in because the United States, you know, that's, that's what's happening and we're just coming. You know, Stephanie, the more you speak, the more this reminds me of the relationship of um, African-American slavery with the slave masters, where it's, you know, one of the the institution of slavery made African-Americans dependent on their slave masters. So even after emancipation, they were like, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? We've been exploited, but, you know, this is also our resource. Our, you know, our slave master also provides us resources for survival. So it's like, how do we just pick up and leave and go where? And it's like that same troubling relationship is um, very apparent here. The question I have is, what should the U.S. do to help clean up the mess that they started? I think that they should, quite frankly, they should decolonize Puerto Rico, get out of it, and they should pay us reparations. I mean, that's the reality. Pay us 100 years worth of reparations so that we may be able to start actually self-governing, gain our wealth industries back, and become a competitor in the free world um, so that our children aren't drinking toxic water and not being able to, to live a, a full and healthy life. Uh, I think that that is at basic a minimum. Of course, that's complicated, right? It's not like that's going to happen one day to another. But I think um, anything short of that is, is is adhering to forms of violence and exploitation that we're going to see for for many years to come. Stephanie. <laughs> What else is there to say? That you hit the nail on the head right there. We are one hundred percent with you. Decolonize Puerto Rico. Give them reparations. Give Stanley's citizenship to Puerto Rico as well. Because I <laughs> what? Go there. Anyway, I, listen, I got to look out for myself too. Okay, but Stephanie, we do have to let you go. For those who have been listening and who have been inspired and have learned a lot, how can they keep up with you and learn what you're doing and get involved in a fight to liberate Puerto Rico? You know, I would encourage folks to um, really pay attention to, to the movement that's happening. It's it's being named Se Acabaron Las Promesas, which means the promises are over. Um, encourage folks to, to follow the, the students of the University of Puerto Rico and the strikes and the works that, that they're doing to really put this issue at, at the forefront. Um, personally, you're more than happy for you to follow me on Twitter. Um, it's Steph underscore Janis, L-L-A-N-E-S. Um, but, I, but I really encourage folks to really listen to the voices of the people on the island and, and what they're really asking for. Stephanie, thank you so much for calling in today. And thank you so much for being on the show today. And we hope to have you again, hopefully, in studio so you can turn up with us, okay? Definitely. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, guys, that was Stephanie Annis Martin, and she talked to us about what's going on in Puerto Rico right now, how Puerto Rico got in this mess, and, of course, the history of colonization, of American colonization of Puerto Rico. I think we all learned a lot, and I don't think there's really much for me to say that hasn't been said already, but I will say one more thing because, hey, who would I be if I didn't try to have the last word? We have a history of slavery, colonialization, patriarchy, and sexism in this country. And the sins of our fathers and our forefathers continue to come back and punish the people who were the victims all along. And until we be we get right with history, until we 
start to right the many wrongs that we have as the United States of America, we will always have someone suffering the consequences. And it is not right. And it is not fair. And it is not just. So if you care about what's right and what's just, if you care about the liberation of all people, support our sisters and brothers in Puerto Rico and help them to fight for their own independence. With that being said, we're going on a quick break. When we come back, it'll be the quickie and how Texas wants to pass a law that would make it okay to not let blacks, Jews, gays, and atheists adopt children. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back. Hey, (laughs) what? I was like, that song was really good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so we are back, and I actually have to clarify something Stanley just said. Um, This bill does not seem to go after anybody for being black, although that remains to be seen. Um, So what am I talking about? Well, the Texas House of Representatives approved a bill that would allow foster families and adoption agencies that receive state funding to refuse to place children and families that they disapprove of on religious grounds, including families that are headed by LGBT people, atheists, Jews, or Muslims um, from adopting children. Uh, So this bill would actually allow agencies to cite their religious beliefs when making other decisions as well. Um, This includes whether or not teenagers in their care should be provided access to contraception and abortion, um, which is essentially to say if you are a teenager in a foster home that is being run by a Christian uh, agency and you want to and you're 17 and you want to get contraception or you need to get an abortion um, you're going to have to go check with somebody and they can say no we're not allowing you to do that um, because you are in our care um, but today I'm mainly going to focus on the adoption provisions of this bill because um, I basically explained to you the other religious beliefs provisions and how they work uh, just a minute ago so the legislature says that this bill will uphold the religious freedom of social service providers and allow organizations organizations to follow quote unquote faith-based policies without having to worry about potential discrimination lawsuits. The measure's approval by the House was celebrated by the Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops, which explicitly came out and gave a statement that said that this bill would allow agencies to refuse to help teenagers obtain abortions, to refuse to place children in the homes of same-sex couples, to refuse to place children in the homes of Muslim couples or Jewish couples or transgender couples, and even to block family members of people who are going to be or need to be adopted from being able to to adopt them on the grounds that that family member may be gay, may be Jewish, may be Muslim, or may be trans, meaning that this child would now remain in foster care instead of going to live in a loving home with their very own family member, simply on the grounds that their family member is gay or one of those other things I just listed. Um, if this bill was to become the law, the state would be forbidden from penalizing an agency that cited a religious objection when denying service to somebody. This would affect a wide range of prospective parents, including non-Christians, people in interfaith marriages, such as a Christian married to a Jew, or those have been divorced or those have been remarried, because of course, right-wing Christians don't like intermarriages, they do not like divorces, they do not like remarriages, they constantly cite the Bible, um, 
you know, despite the fact the president's been divorced how many times and remarried how many times, but they love him. Of course, I digress. The bill's author, who is a guy named Representative James Frank, said in a statement that it would help address the crisis by ensuring that faith-based adoption agencies are free to do their work without fear of litigation. What he means by this is right now, Texas is in an adoption crisis. They have more people who need to be, I'm sorry, more children that need to be adopted than they have homes that are willing to take them. And so when, you know, a religious group says they don't want to take somebody because of their, you know, sexual orientation, they fear getting sued. And now they're saying, well, this will alleviate the crisis because these gay children might not will no longer be able to sue uh, this adoption uh, thing if the adoption agency is like, well, you know, we're going to send you conversion therapy. And if you don't like it, like too bad because you won't be able to sue us. So that's the other aspect of that. It's not just blocking uh, gay couples from being able to adopt. It's also blocking gay children from potentially being able to sue if they're uh, if they're placed with a Christian home that now tells them that they're not allowed to be gay. Um, and they can't then sue this home for saying like, uh, no, you're infringing on my rights. So that is, of course, really a concern, especially since we know uh, homeless LGBT youth is a huge issue. Um, more homeless youth are LGBT than any other youth. And we also know that cons- uh, sorry, um, that therapy uh, is bogus, which is why I don't even want to call it what it is. They call it conversion therapy, but we know it's totally bogus and actually leads to a lot of gay youths um, and trans youths in- committing suicide. Um, so this is obviously a huge problem there as well. Um, Mr. Frank also says the bill will not keep anybody from providing a foster home for child under state care and that it would require the state's Department of Family and Children Protective Services to ensure alternative providers are present to offer any services denied for reasons of sincerely held religious beliefs. So what that means is he's trying to claim that if you if this adoption agency or foster home denied services, then the state would step in and find new places that would grant services despite that. But we don't actually know how that would actually work out. Opponents of this law, including myself, say that this measure poses a danger for gay and transgender children who make up a disproportionate share of the foster care system. I was talking about that earlier by forbidding the state to penalize the agency that subjects them to conversions therapy. As I already said, this is a discredited pseudoscience practice that is meant to change a person's sexual orientation or gender identity, but we know it doesn't actually work. Uh, The bill would also make the state's foster care and adoption crisis worse by making it harder to place children in a new home because it allows LGBT foster families to be turned away, and it contains a provision that would let agencies refuse temporarily family uh, reunification services on religious grounds, which I already talked about, means that if the child has a gay aunt or a gay uncle who steps up and says, I want to provide a safe home for this child. Uh, Their own child member may be denied being able to take custody of that child. And instead, that child may end up in foster care instead of with a family member simply because the family member is gay or trans. The bill essentially licenses discrimination no matter what Texas says. This bill is discrimination. It encroaches on separation between church and state. These religious organizations should forfeit their right to get any state taxpayer money if they want to make faith-based decisions and otherwise, if they are getting taxpayer money, they must play by secular rules. 
Freedom of religion does not equal freedom to use religion to discriminate against others. And my thoughts are there is definitely going to be litigation over this bill if it becomes law, because many people are going to sue and say that this bill infringes on their First Amendment rights. Absolutely, Alyssa. Thank you so much for the breakdown. You know, this just goes to show that the fight is far from over when it comes to protecting the disenfranchised, whether they are LGBT, whether they are black or brown or Puerto Rican. Those people are disgusting and sexist. They're disgusting and they're a disgrace to, to Christianity. I mean, and I'll just end by saying this has absolutely nothing to do with Christianity because I know many, many Christians that are loving people that we want to provide loving homes to children. Oh, thank you, Alyssa. Uh, regardless of the child's sexual orientation or regardless of whether the family that wants to adopt. To this, this is people in Texas trying to license discrimination against gays, against Muslims, against atheists, and against Jews, and it's wrong, and we need to be calling it out. I agree with you, Alyssa, but it's, we need more Christians to, to be calling out, out these it. people who claim to be Christians because that's the problem because they don't want we don't want to go out to our brothers and sisters but you have to because this you're, you're you're putting people's lives at risk here this is not a game definitely and I and I think that you know there's a starch difference between evangelicals on the right and those to the left I mean Donald Trump's biggest base happened to be evangelical white people right I mean and that's starchly different from uh the christian left but i mean yeah w we definitely need to continue to call it out let them know that this is not okay and that it's you're jeopardizing children's lives like if a child needs a home i mean that's what comes first and i'm saying that as a person of faith and it and honestly it brings tears to my heart and it's very dis tears to my eyes and it's very disheartening um to know that this discrimination is being done as stanley said in the name of christianity not true not right um, on that note, we do have to close the entire show, but we want to thank everybody for tuning in today, uh, chiming in and leaving your comments. We definitely appreciate you letting your voices be heard. The fight continues, uh, no matter if you are black, brown, Puerto Rican or LGBT, we need to stick together in this fight because that's the only way we're going to win. The first battle is 2018. The next one is 2020 and beyond. So make sure that we stick together. Continue to fight, guys. Continue to support Let Your Voice Be Heard because we are the voices that support you. You can support us on iTunes at Let Your Voice Be Heard Radio. Check us out online at lyvbh.com. And we'll be back next Sunday right here, God willing, on WHCR 90.3 FM, The Voice of Harlem. Toodles.